Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Monday. Let's start with Pierre Paglia. Big win. His big win on the weekend wins easily. Oh, a romp. Yeah, 68% yeah. on the first ballot. I mean, this was kind of expected. He was the obvious well, it was. Well, you know, win. we've talked about, um, you know, it was a point system. We didn't know how well he was going to do in Ontario and Quebec. Well, he basically ran the table. Yeah. Um, Sheree was what sixteen percent or something. Yeah, I mean it was this was a complete cakewalk. Yeah, uh, for Polev and his speech was very interesting. You ran excerpts of it. Um, he didn't mention Bitcoin. He didn't mention defunding the CBC. He didn't mention firing the Bank of Canada, Bank of Canada governor. Yeah, uh, he stayed away from these sort of uh, fringe topics and talked about the economy. And if he if he continues to do that. And gets away from the again the fringe, the right wing fringe. Uh, he's going to put a scare in the, into the liberals. Well, let's listen to one of the clips that jumped out at me from his speech, and this is one where he hits on housing affordability, which I think is is a good issue for him. And here's what he had to say. Then I'll get your thoughts. We need to restore the hope of home ownership. Right now, youth and newcomers can't get a home because local government gatekeepers block housing with heavy fees and long delays for building permits leaving us with the fewest houses per capita of any country in the G7, even though we have the most land to build on. He then went on to talk about how if he becomes prime minister, he would put pressure on municipalities to build more those, housing by, by with, withholding federal federal funds. Infrastructure funding, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, those are all great talking points. Yeah. You know, if he keeps talking like this uh, and stays away from the truck convoy and the white supremacists and the, all the sort of nut nut job fringe issues that uh, he courted uh, for the sake of winning the leadership again uh, that's those are good talking points to the to the general uh, population okay we've seen earlier conservative leaders try and fail to beat trudeau and a lot of them kind of followed a playbook of sort of running from the right running on the right to win the party leadership and then moderating moving to the center to try and beat Trudeau. Well, it doesn't seem to work. Andrew Scheer tried that, coming from a social conservative uh, side. Uh, Aaron O'Toole came from the centrist and tried to push right. Didn't work. It wasn't authentic. Uh, the, the party uh, membership didn't uh, really support that. But we'll see. Again, I still think he's pushing a bit of a boulder up a hill. But nevertheless, the Trudeau brand, it's clear, uh, is tiring. People are, there's sort of a best before date with politicians, uh, and um, again, I think Trudeau, even though he's now apparently told his cabinet he's running again, yeah. I don't think he's nearly as uh, as uh, effective a brand as he was even a few years ago. But the next election is still potentially three years away. Uh, who knows? A lot's going to change uh, between now and then. But uh, Poliev is, I think, a much more effective campaigner than O'Toole is here. We talked earlier on the show about the divisive nature of this campaign. There was a lot of mudslinging that went on mm -hmm. during this this conservative leadership contest. Jean Charest, his main opponent, quickly announced he was getting out of politics and going back into private sector business, and he's out of here. Yeah, you know, does is there a danger the party has divisions that may not heal? Oh, I think so. I think they basically become the old reform party, and there's, Jean Charest is not by himself. 
I mean, you saw the centrist Canadian conference that Christy Clark spoke at. Yeah. Uh, they represent a significant uh, portion of the Conservative Party. Yeah. They are not going to be with Pierre Poliev unless Poliev changes his ways a bit, and that that's still possible. You know, that speech he gave is not the speech he gave in the election in the leadership race when he talked about all these other fringe issues. They were absent. Uh, that speech probably played okay with the centrist Canadian group uh, on on a number of levels. But we'll see going forward if he can hold that together. Right now, though, they've they're not the old Brian Mulroney party, Joe Clark party. Uh, they are very much uh, sort of the Stephen Harper plus the Reform Party. Okay, closer to home, there was the Surrey by-election happened on Surrey South on the weekend, and as expected, the Liberals hang on to that seat. Eleanor Sturco, former RCMP officer, is the new MLA elect there. Here she is speaking this morning to Simi. But you know what? I look at what's happening around us, and it, the timing actually is quite right because the problems. Some of them that we're facing in BC, like the opioid crisis and um, untreated mental health and addictions, these are things that I feel like I can make a really significant contribution to solving. So um, I feel good about the change that I'm making. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, congratulations to Eleanor Sturco. Very impressive victory. Uh, improved the Liberals' percentage from uh, 2020. Very low turnout. So it, yeah. you don't want to read too much into this. But it was... Uh, historically a safe liberal seat, yeah. less so in 2020. But there was a bit of an orange wave in 2020, which increased the NDP's vote in a number of writings. What was interesting, that has to be a little bit of a worrisome thing for Kevin Falcon and the Liberals, is the Conservative Party candidate there got 12% of the vote. Yeah, The NDP vote did not materialize. Uh, it went down significantly, uh, about a dozen points from 2020. It's, it stayed home. But that that Conservative vote, you take that 12%, you go to a general election, I think the NDP vote is going to obviously rise to more traditional levels. Well, if that's the case, if the Conservatives can start getting that level of support, that's problematic for the BC Liberals. They, You could argue the Conservatives allowed the NDP to win seats in Langley, yeah. Abbotsford, and Chilliwack in 2020 because they got the, the amount of votes they got was greater than the difference of the vote between the Liberals and the NDP. And a conservative vote is basically a disaffected liberal vote. You know, and, and in a safe liberal seat like Surrey South, 12% for the Conservative Party maybe doesn't make enough of a difference to tip the scales. But when you're talking about some more closely contested ridings, mm -hmm. if the Conservatives get 12%, that could be a difference maker. That could be a real spoiler. Well, it, exactly. In Metro Vancouver, you yeah. know, it's uh, where there's a lot of tight races. Uh, if the Conservatives start pulling double digits in in terms of popular support, that's very problematic for the BC Liberals. So, again, congratulations to Eleanor Sturco uh, for winning that seat uh, quite easily. But there's a warning there for the Liberals that the Conservatives are a bit of a threat. Okay, let's talk about this uh, little internal dust-up over at the provincial NDP now. They're going through their own leadership contest. David Eby expected to be the winner there, but he is being challenged. Anjali Apadurai is his main opponent, an environmental activist, climate change activist, mm -hmm. trying to upset the apple cart here for David Eby. And she's now under investigation for potential election irregularities here in her campaign. Now, here's the reason why. She did an, an online forum with a supporter named Atia Jaffer, and here's what Atia, her supporter Atia Jaffer said in this online forum to NDP supporters. Listen to this. 
It's a handful of people that get to decide who our yeah. next premier is. Message me yeah. if you need the $10 because I'm happy to provide that for you. Um, but yeah, it is, it's a huge deal. Tonight, midnight is the deadline. Go to the BC NDP website. Yeah, message me if you need the $10 to buy an NDP membership and vote for this candidate. Not allowed that to is do that. illegal. It's you illegal. Can't, you can't, you do can't that. pay for someone else's party no. membership. Having said that, every leadership race since we went to this one person, one vote and mass sign up has had allegations of severe irregularities in various camps. No one's been immune to this. Christy Clark was accused of that. Yeah. Um, her opponents were accused of that. Same in the NDP race and Adrian Dix's win in 2013. All sorts of accusations of vote buying, illegal signups, uh, people registering their cats as members, yeah. if you recall. Sure. Uh, dead people being registered as, yeah. as members. So this is hardly the first uh, irregularity. So in terms of investigation, the NDP is conducting an internal investigation. Right. Elizabeth Call is the former finance minister of the NDP in the 90s, former cabinet minister. She's the chief electoral officer. She's conducting the investigation. It's no question the party establishment does not like her candidacy because she's running against the party. She wants to take the party in a completely different direction towards the Green Party yes. move. The other interesting thing is Michael Gardner was a guest on, former executive director, was on Jazz Joe Hall's uh, show last week. He put out, shared with everyone, and Jazz put this out on Twitter, an email from, pe from some Green Party people suggesting that Green Party members join the NDP to elect her as, uh, as party leader. It's an effective takeover of the party. That's probably got the the party a little more concerned than what's going on here in terms of a ten dollar yeah. vote buy. Yeah, there was this encouragement if you're a Green Party member, join the NDP, vote for Angelia Potterai, this environmental activist, as the NDP leader. And if she loses, oh, don't worry about it. Then you can just go back to the Green Party. And but if let, she wins, but let's try and take over the NDP it, here first. Exactly. So the NDP is a little vulnerable here because it, it, going into this, there are only eleven thousand party members. That's not very many. Go back to Pierre Polyev. What? What's one of the six hundred thousand people joined the Conservatives wow. in this leadership race, which is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Now, BC is just a provincial party, but eleven thousand. That doesn't take a lot of organizing to take over that eleven thousand body. I think the other thing, though, for this uh, for Anjalia Potterai, this NDP leadership candidate, is in that clip we played where one of her supporters is saying, "Hey, if you don't have the ten dollars to buy an NDP membership, send me. You know, I'll pay for it. <laughs> Let me know." She was on camera listening to this. Mm -hmm. While it was being said, now she said later it sort of went over my head. I didn't realize that she had said so. I sh you know, I don't think but, she's going to get penalized for this. If you she don't think did, she'll be disqualified? And, well, it would look pretty brazen for the party to disqualify. It would just basically the party establishment saying you're not allowed to run on something that she herself did not say it was someone else who said, right. even though she didn't, you know, call didn't that jump person in there and, and correct the no, person. Didn't jump in and correct, but I'm not yeah. sure that's grounds for disqualification. Okay. I think it would look worse. The only unless they had evidence or a feeling that indeed she had signed up enough members to take over the party then i think they'd find a reason to grease the grease the skids i think the reason that polyev is a danger potentially to trudeau here is he knows where trudeau was vulnerable and i think he's going to hit on it right so speaking mm -hmm. to keith baldry have a listen to this clip this is pierre polyev in his victory speech on saturday listen how he frames this right. begins the journey to replace an old government that costs you more and delivers you less with a new government that puts you first, your paycheck, your retirement, your home, your country.
Okay. As long as he keeps describing the liberal government as the old government, a tired government, that is going to work very well for him. Let's go to Chris on the line in Langley. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. I can't ever remember any government uh, using those same talking points actually making life cheaper for anybody. It always goes up regardless of who it is. But I think Poliev has an issue uh, with uh, the, the fact that the election is until th- for three years. You know, so three years he's going to have to walk this tightrope where, as you say, this latest speech uh, kind of played a bit better to the, the moderates. But as he starts moving away from the radical right, and all of a sudden he's, he's pissing them off. And then I bring up the idea that uh, the People's Party, are they not still a factor? And if he's not playing up to these fringe voters, then are they not going to go back mm-hmm. to migrating to them? Because I believe that was also part of the problem. So mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's t- calling to these people who aren't involved, and they're excited to vote for this guy because of the crazy shit or crazy stuff he's saying, excuse me. And yet, uh, you know, now his job is now to move away from that messaging to become electable. And so I, yeah. I think that's going to be a, an issue for him. All good points. And that's exactly the puzzle that the previous two leaders faced. You know, how do you appease one group without alienating another group? And so Poliev has attracted the far right and rode the, those uh, to victory. Now, does he pivot away from that and lose their support? And does that is that enough of a bleed to allow, again, the Liberals to win a minority government with a relatively small portion of the popular vote. The popular vote doesn't seem to be changing much out there. And again, you look at the electoral map, the key for the Conservatives to win, they have to do better in Quebec. Now, Poliev won, I think, almost every seat, uh, every riding in Quebec in the leadership race. Um, they have to do better in Quebec if they want to uh, hold power, and they have to do better in the urban centers of Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, and we don't know if he can do that. But you know that Trudeau and the Liberals will try to divide oh, the yeah. Conservatives by introducing wedge issues like, watch where there'll be more gun control, gun control laws. You watch. Here we go with gun control, abortion. They'll bring up all these issues to try and drive a wedge there between yep. Polyev and, and members of his party. That is the Trudeau game plan, is to drive wedges into the Conservatives, and he, they did that effectively with Aaron no tool, particularly on issues like guns. That really yeah. hurt the the, uh, the conservatives last time. And we'll see if he hits well, other hot-button issues like immigration, abortion, uh, and crime. Aaron O'Toole did a terrible job responding to those, like he especially did. on gun control. Very confusing. He looked weak. He looked waffling. And, and Polyev, I think, may be smarter in the way he responds. Oh, I think Polyev is a much better communicator. He's much yeah. sharper, quicker off the draw. Oh, quicker yeah. on the draw. But uh, he's vulnerable if he, if he veers suddenly... To some of these fringe elements, you don't see people in the street demanding the head of the Bank of Canada governor. That's just not an issue that that's you know, well. That's on the why table. maybe he avoids that issue now. Although the Liberals will try to remind everyone about stuff he said and it's about, three years, about cryptocurrency. Yeah, exactly. So they'll they'll spend three years trying to remind it. But if he doesn't play into their hands for the first year or so, those issues yeah. will go away. Let's go to Jacob on the line in Vancouver. Hi, Jacob. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you, gentlemen? We're good. Go ahead. Good. Imagine a blackboard in your studio and draw a circle and take a piece of chalk and where would you put yourself on that circle? I have no idea what you're talking about. Would you put it in the center of the circle or on the outside looking in? Are you talking about like the political spectrum? No, you can't talk politics. If you talk politics at the dinner table, it's in 10 minutes. If some family member is not beating the crap out of you because you're talking policies, you get nowhere. You guys sound like a bunch of yentas. Okay, I'm not sure. I, I <laughs> totally have no idea what you're talking about. Go back to your about. blackboard. Go back yeah, to your go blackboard. Back. <laughs> okay. Take a piece of chalk, 
write us, draw a circle, <laughs> and talk to it. Okay. Uh, We'll see what happens here. I mean, we could be into an election. I mean, Trudeau still got his governing deal with the NDP, so he could be in power for years here before he has to. I don't think the NDP is going to pull the pull the plug on this thing. Uh, they're going to try to extract as much as they can from the Trudeau government. They're getting a few things, but uh, and Trudeau's self interest is to continue to govern. So I don't see an early election call at all.